0: You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Avram and I hope you enjoy this episode. So yesterday we we saw a similar statement about remember about putting the egg under the chicken, or putting the uh, right putting the egg under the chicken, or putting the wheat plant back into the ground and then changing your mind. That was a question whether that would be considered. That was an example where Rabbi Shimon believes it's mukta because that was the question because he's already pushed it out. Now there he pushes it out in a way that it's starting also to become if he waits long enough, he won't be able to eat it and it's going to actually start becoming a plant. Here, what's going on, a similar situation. Grogerus vitzimucum, figs and, and, and grapes. You're trying to make figs and grapes. Well, here's the way it works. They're nice and juicy and ready to eat, but you, don't have an, you, you you won't be able to eat them all. In order for this not to be a waste, you need to be able to plant it. I'm sorry, to dry it. And by drying it, it will be able to be last through the winter. That's the purpose here. So therefore, what's going on? What's going on is, is that he's decided, this person before Shabbos, that he had taken the grapes and the figs and or figs and is putting them in an area like on his roof, where they're going to be hit by the late summer sun, early fall sun, and they're going to dry and change into raisins and dried figs. That's what he's doing. Now, on Shabbos, he's, he goes up to the roof and he sees, hey, this one looks like I can eat it already. This one looks like it's already become dried enough that it's considered a raisin can you take it on Shabbos to eat? That would be the question. Would Rav Shimon allow that? We know that he's thinking, a person's always thinking about stuff he can use. Is that considered muktza? So let's see, 100% it is. That's what the Gemara is going to say. In fact, the Gemara is going to say, "Ain muktza Reb Shimon ella Grogers bilvad. Why? Because those you've pushed away, you yourself took them, and you know that they are going to actually become disgusting until they're ready, Rashi says. That until they dry into a raisin, you generally do not, can't touch those grapes. They're plump, juicy grapes, then they're yuck until they're a raisin. The same thing is true with figs. Therefore, in your brain, those aren't for you. Even though, oh, look, they're ready. In your mind, you never thought that was going to happen. You pushed it away be a You took it up to the roof. I said, what about other fruit? Is it only those two? Media rene lo? What about, I don't know, what about peaches? What about plums? How about if you take them up to dry? Would they be the same thing? Or maybe those, would those be just as muksa? Sounds like not. Sounds like the worst muxa there is is only Gregaris would smoke him. Raisins and figs says, Batanya, we have here, right, That's, that is a figs, and he's eating them, and he's saying, oh boy, I thought I was going to eat them all. Oh, I got too many. What am I going to do? Helen Lagag, I'm taking them up to the roof. grow is grow grogaris, grow gross. I'm going to take them up to the roof. I'm eating them, but you know what? I don't want them to be a total waste. Let me take them up to the roof uh, to, to turn them into, this is not on Shabbos necessarily, and to turn them into dried fruit. Or an oven. The host, he has too much. The heaven Wagaglas Men Simukin. So if that's the way it works, and now with Shabbos, you can't go up there on Shabbos and take any of those. Lo Ad Unless right before Shabbos you actually say, hey, that stuff might be ready. I hereby am thinking to go and get it. Otherwise, if you don't make that sort of thought in your mind, I don't know if you have to say it out loud, then it's still considered muksa based on the actions that you were doing. And the same thing is true when it comes to peaches and quinces. So this shows you that what Rabbi Yehud said in the name of Shmuel was not technically correct. This says all dried fruits are that way. True, that maybe the most popular are, are raisins and and and, 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 Groger's and smukim. Right? That's what, right? But you can really do the drying stuff with other fruits, and the same aloha applies that they're considered muktzah unless you have in das before Shabbos. So that sounds like Yehuda was wrong in what he explained the opinion of Rav Shimmah. The says, mani, and I'll prove it to you. Who is the author of this m'preisa? He doesn't say you have to take it up to the roof and put it there and say, I want this to become something. Rabiuda holds a Muksa even if it's not nidcha b'yadayim. Just in the fact that it's not part of your mindset. You don't have to actually do an act b'poel to make it muksa, Even if it's going to happen. So, Therefore, it's probably not Rav Yehuda. So, is So, this probably is not Rav Yehuda. El it must be, it's Rav Shimon And if it's Rav Shimon, you see that Rav Shimon holds of muktza, even for other types of fruits. The says no. Rav Yehuda. Really, this is Rabbi Yehuda's Brisa. And, Yehuda, and, and, and Rabbi Yehuda in the name of Shmuel, the Amora is correct that Shimon only said it by those fruits that are starting to get corrupt before they dry. That's not the case when it comes to uh, quinces and peaches and pears. Those don't go through this disgusting stage in the middle. And those would not be mukhs according to him. This brysa was Rav Ah, You're going to ask me, what do I need to even say this brysa for? I, we know Rav says stuff becomes mukhsa even if you don't push it off and take it to the roof and say, I don't want it. Because over here, I might think that this was not a, this was not a farmer with malice aforethought, that he's thinking, hey, this is the stuff I'm going to put away. He really was eating it. And and therefore, you see that this is only the leftovers from his big snack that he was having with his buddies. So therefore, you might have thought the placing on the roof was always with, oh, maybe I'm going to eat it. It didn't come with a measured idea that I'm going to place this on the roof. It happened because, oh, I have so much stuff. Let me put it up on the roof. But you see the guy's involved in his, in, in his, in his stomach in terms of eating. So maybe Rav Yehuda would allow it in this case, even without a special kavana. ozil, now, now look, you didn't just put him on the windowsill. You went up to the roof. to helen lagag, but we don't have any proof that this was from Shimon.
1: Rebbe's Shimon Rebi's son asked him the following question: "Patsile <speaking in> tomorrow? <Hebrew> what is what's
0: patsile <speaking in Hebrew> tomorrow?" Rashi tells us, "Tomorrow manil kotim bishulon." These are a type of date that generally have a problem if they stay on the tree. If they stay on the tree, they really don't – I don't know why. It's a, a, an anomaly of nature. They don't really ever become good and edible. The only thing you need – the way you deal with these tomorrow are you pick them before they start to ripen. You put them in baskets me that are made from date palms, date fronds. The and they go through like the um the incubator. They go through a a a a artificial uh ripening that you create, that the farmers create. could you stick your hand into those baskets and eat them before they become ripe? Is that like Grogeris would smoke him alone? Is that like putting it up on the roof? Remember, put the grogas are very different because <laughs> those were actually fresh fruit that you want to make sure you, they're not wasted and you dry them to have something to eat from the uh, in the winter. Here it's a question of them ripening in the basket. So what's the dip? Rebbe answered his son, a you ain't that there is no muksum, meaning that wouldn't be muksa. That's not like taking them up to the roof. Because over there, these babies, even though you could eat them now, it's not like the progressive with that once they start getting the heat on the roof, they become disgusting. And therefore, even though you did put them in the basket, and that was a very specific act, you would be able, if you got hungry, to take them out of the basket even before they reach their final
1: state. Mar says for Rebbe Muksa? Sounds like Rebbe's in Rav Shimon's court. Does Rebbe not hold of Muksa? That's surprising. Vatnan, ain't Mashkin
0: This is a mission in Beitza. We know that on Yomtef, you're allowed to shech animals. And not only can you shech animals, but you can actually uh, go and um, give them uh, a lot of water, get a lot of water in their system. So this way, after you shech them, as Rashi says, no this way they're lanky. And after you shech them, you're going to be able to strip the skin off of them in an easy way. So let's see. Ain mashkin in other words, get the water to them, schlep the water, bring the water through the Carmelis, wherever it is, to give the animal to drink, and then bring them into Shechita. If the animals you're dealing with are basically wild animals that happen to uh, mosey into your domain. But
1: you are able to put in that effort if the animals are considered, looks like, if the animals are considered tame animals, baitos, but what does that mean?
0: That's what the Mishnah says. The price explains that Mishnah. Eluchayn midborios. What does it mean? A wild animal? A desert animal? Ko <laughs> After Pesach time, the animal starts to leave because that's when there's going to be areas to graze in. You don't see the animal. It's yours. You got a brand on it, maybe, but it don't come back until the first big rain in Cheshvan. So for uh, six months or so, over six months, you don't see this animal. That's called the Midborios. Okay? Baitos, what are considered the uh, tame ones? the docile ones, the domestic ones, kosher they do leave, and you don't see them during the day, chutz and they're over 2,000 amas away, you don't even know where they are, they're on some grazing area, uboos, and then they come ulenavos betochatchum, when it's time to um, when it's time to uh, sleep, they come a little bit closer. So that is called a docile domestic animal, even though you let them run sort of wild, but it's not like the first type. Rebbe, Omer, Elu Rebbe says, you know what? An animal that comes back by Cheshvan, even though it's been gone and you never saw it sleeping anywhere, was in some craggy hill somewhere in the range but it knows to come back eventually, that's considered a domestic animal. And if you could find that animal that mows it into you on Yontif, that animal's not mukta. Hmm. Oh yeah? So what are the midbarios? They're all the way in some far area away from like in the desert area, they never come back to where the people are, where the people have their farms. The only way to get them is to run out there and trap them sometime in the, before the winter, before they, they get too cold and they die. That's the Midbarios. Those are the ones that are mukta if they happen to mosey in. Because you never expected them to come back and you would have to exert so much effort. So that sounds like Rav Shimon. That sounds like something that you've put away, something that you let go, you let it graze all the way in some uh, Yehupitzville, not even a Yehupitzville. There's no ville. There's no place. It's just out somewhere in the abandoned area. That's the that's muksa. Anything else isn't muksa, <laughs> even though they don't show up for six months. So
1: what do you see? That's like Rav Shimon. Sounds like it, right? right? The Gemara says, Red be le- well, one second, hold on. I, 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 I jumped the gun.
0: <laughs> At the beginning, the Gemara thought that that sounds not like Rapshima, because it sounds like you can't keep the animal, even though you own it, when it moseys in. The Gemara's answer is what I just said. The Gemara says, that's pretty similar. An animal that you let go and you know doesn't come back and you got to trap it, it's pretty much like putting stuff on the roof and letting it uh, turn into raisins and grogos. So that's pretty much the same level of, I'm probably not going to deal with that. And that's like Eboy
1: say It could be really, you're right, With of the Rav Shimon Kamerle.
0: When Rebbe said by the Patsile tomorrow, when he talked about the stuff in the baskets, his son was asking him according to Rav Shimon. Yehuda Hanasi himself held maybe like the other Rebbe Yehuda that there is a Din But when someone asks you a question about Rav Shimon, that's what he answered. But it's not that he holds a like Rav Shimon. It could be it's true from the Mishnah and Beitza, you see from the Brysa on the Mishnah and Beitza, you see that according to Rebbe that he holds of Muksa. And that's why he doesn't let the animal that you own that Moses back in incredibly from the hinterlands to be to Shecht, because he holds of Muksa. But when his son asked him, he was asking him, he was answering him according to Rav Shimon Shita. That's the second answer. Now we have a third answer. The third answer is, really, you see from the private conversation Rebbe had with Rav Shimon, his son, with, 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 with his son, that he holds like Rav Shimon Batana, and that really he doesn't hold of Muksa. So why was he getting involved in that brysa in the Mishnah and Baitsa? Because he was saying, with the Rabbanan He decided that he needed to speak to the brysa people who said the definition of what's considered um, domestic and what's considered wild? He says, "Lididi, lastly, Listen to me. This Mishnah isn't even relevant because to me, even the wild animal, the, the Midbarios, if it moseys in, you can now take it and shecht it and give it the water on Yom I know you guys hold the muksa, but Oduimiyas dehechad bePesach v'nechnosus the ones that seem to have a homing instinct and to come back, even though they were gone for those many months. But since you see they come in on their own, shouldn't they be considered non-muksa all the time? Because you see that's their nature. That's what he was saying. At least them you should be motivated to me. I hold there's no such thing as muksa at all. But even this you shouldn't hold as muksa because you see the nature of this animal. Rabbi and Amri, well. Those are called midbarius, Ninu. We still consider that midbarius because, hey, they're not around. They're not sleeping within the tulum. We we're not exactly sure where they are. They only come back six months from now. That's considered out of bounds. And that's the Machlokas Rebbe with the Rabbanan. He's saying, I don't have at all, but I don't understand your opinion of Muks He says, listen, because you don't understand it. Because we hold that's considered midbarias. baryas Amru Rabbi Ochanan, Rabbi Yochanan, Amru halacha ki Shimon. Rabbi Yochanan said that in the yeshiva, we pass the Shimon. Rabbi Khan is a student of Rabbi Yochanan. He said, Rabbi Yochanan is on the record, Amru
1: halacha ki Shimon. That sounds like Rabbi Yochanan, it's like Shimon. Shimon. Umiyom Rabbi Yochanan hachi. Is that so? Vahaa
0: Boy, mine! Saba Saravia. or maybe Saruya. <laughs> good, good um, name for the uh, good friend of mine from the Syrian community, Saruya. But anyway, I think it's Sarvaya. Is it Kravia or Saravia? One of the, it was either old man Kravya or old man Saravia. They asked from Rabbi Yochanan the following question: Kino Shol you have a cage. Where the, where you've put your chickens in, like in Purdue land, right? Like we have, their their cages are really um, uh, inhumane. But let's say you have a cage where you got your chicken there. They asked me, "Can can I move this thing?" Amarle is it He says, "Of course." You know what that thing is for? That thing is for animals. That's for animals to be in. Animals are muktza. This is like an extension of the animal. You can't use it. So what do you see? That Rabbi Yochanan holds a muktza, right? He says, you can't even, you can't move the animal cage. Versus, one second. (laughs) We're talking about that there's a dead chick in there. And since there's a dead chick in there, that's why Rabbi Yochanan felt that it was mukta There wouldn't be a dead chick in there, maybe Rabbi as we say, holds Shimon. but over here, even Reb Shimon, even Rabbi in Shimon's camp, a dead chick that's in there, you didn't expect that chick to die, or did you? <laughs> but the, once the dead chick is there, there it's a problem. Now, Rashi says, why is it a problem? Can't you just think, hey, that, I, could, I could give that chick to, I could call the dog in and give the chick to the dog. So Rashi says that <laughs> you can't eat it because it's dead. Why? Because even if Shimon says that if an animal dies, on Shabbos, you're about to take a big knife and cut it up for your dog. Why? That's if you knew the animal was on its last legs. Bria, lo. but if it was a healthy animal, Rav Shimon admits that that's mux if it dies on Shabbos. Because it's true, you think of everything you can eat, but you don't think of what everything your dog can eat, and therefore, you did not have it in mind for your dog to eat that animal. So when the animal or the chick, you thought that chick was going to be yours. Via frilach shemais you never das on it to give it to your dog. So now that it's a because it died without shchita, it now be, it now becomes usser uh, and the area and, and and what it contained in. Just like we talked we talked about the uh, the candle that was burning. The whole candle is 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 while it's burning. While this dead chick is inside the uh, uh, is inside the kluv is inside the, the trap inside the nest,
1: you can't move it. That's what we're trying to say. Reb Shimon would in, would hold that way.
0: That would fit good according to the opinion that according to Reb Shimon, he doesn't have mind, as we saw on Rashi, he doesn't have mind for dogs. He only has mind for people, and therefore this is only right for a dog now, and it becomes muksa. But there's an opinion that holds Shayn mutarim doesn't have to be a a, a mesuchenis. That even if it was something that was nice and healthy, and it dies, it's not muksa. So why is this efroach that dead efroach? Why does it create a problem for the cage? You can always just call the dog in, and have the dog come and and have the dog come and eat it. So therefore, according to Rav Shimon, it should not be considered muksa. So the Gemara says, Aha. In other words, basically what we're talking about is that it's a dead chick inside of its shell. A dead chick inside of the shell is a problem because the dog can't eat it. The dog is not going to crack his teeth on the shell. That's why it's so mukh so that even... Rab Shimon would admit, and that was the case when they asked Rab Yochanan, the old old man Kravia asked Rab Yochanan. That's the case it was talking about.
1: It was a dead ephroach inside the shell. Okay. So the Gemara says, "No, I'm sorry." I one second.
0: <laughs> In other words, what happened was was that the egg was laid. And that's where the Froach was in there. The where it says, but we know, right? Hakumiskinim Bidi says, the n uh of Nachman mandi nolad. The And the egg itself is not a problem. Because even though it wasn't there from before Yantiv or before Shabbos, according to Ram Shimon, the egg's not muxa. So the Mar says no. What we mean is that there's an egg that was laid before with the afroach in it. The ispe beites afroach. Can he also Rabbi Yosef from Rabbi Yochanan? When Rabbi Yosef said, "You know what? You had a psak that you said Rabbi Yochanan from Shimon. You got Rabbi Yochanan wrong.
1: Halacha
0: like It's a halacha Rabbi Yehuda." And therefore, you don't have to say the case of. They asked him about the, the 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 chicken cage was with this case with the dead egg and it, the egg which had the uh, the the afroach uh, dead inside. You don't have to say any of those answers. Rav Yochanan holds like Rav Yehuda. Rav Shua ben Levi, another great Amor from Eretz Israel, he's the one that holds like Rav Amr Rab Yosef Hainu to Amr Rabba Baravchan Am Rab Yochanan Amru Haloha Kerab Shimon. Aha. Rab Yosef says, you know what? What you know what? Even though uh um even though Rabba Baravchana, who's also a Khoshaba person, said that Amru Allah Kerab Shimon, the word Amru, now I get it. Umru, they said it. That Rab Yokan said the opinion in the yeshiva is like Rav Shimon, but I don't hold that way. Umru, people say Rav Shimon is right. The lay, low lay, but I don't hold that way. Now, rab Yosef says, I understand what it means. They're both true. We got the Umru wrong. We thought Umru meant that Rav Yochan was telling you
1: what he held was just like everybody else. He was trying to tell you what they held, but he held different. So the Gemara says,
0: In other words, you needed all of this, Rebbe, to figure out that Rabbi Yochanan is like Rabbi Yehuda. Remember, Rabbi Yochanan like Rabbi Feinstein. It's for these people. He's the great Posek. He's this great Posek. You needed all of this to figure out that Yochanan is like like Rabbi Yehuda and not like Rabbi Shimon. Rebbe, don't you know the famous story, which was this? HaRav'Aba Rav'Asi came to Rav'Aba of, of chayfa. Vinofu menarta al And not a nair, but a big candelabrum fell. The menarta, a menorah, bigger than a regular candle that you just put on the table for a little bit of light. The menarta fell on his jacket the the low tiltula, and he refused to move it. He only shook the jacket and then it rolled off. But he didn't want to touch it. He didn't want to hold it or move it. My time. Why was Ravasi that way? We know Ravasi is one of the great students of Rav Yochanan. And therefore, it must be Rav Yochan And since this Manarta, was meant to put candles in, even though now it's empty and there's no candle in it. But it was meant for that. It's like a mukta item. And that's why he was machmir the way he dealt with it. So everybody knows that story of Ravasa getting nervous about the menorah that fell on him. It's obvious because
1: Ravasa was a Talmud of Rabbi Yochanan. Ravasi was a Talmud of Rabbi Yochanan. Our um, that story doesn't
0: prove anything. Even if you want to say everything Ravasi did was like a Yochanan, Menarta, comrade. That's a menarta. Minarta is big and heavy. Minarta shine. And therefore, because it's big and heavy, it's almost like it's the couch. It's here. It's supposed to stay there. It's a big piece of fancy furniture that isn't supposed to move anywhere. And because of that, even Rav Shimon might hold that's Muksa. A nair is different because a nair is movable, it's light. The menarta is big and heavy. And it could be something that's big and heavy, even Rab Shimon holds is also. So there's no proof from here that, that Yochanan holds a muksa. So the Gemara says, the Umar of Acha, Rab Rabasi, Hyr Rab Shimon ben Lakish, it should be, higher Rish Lakish, but Menorah, Hanateles, Achas, if the Menorah is light enough, that you can pick it up with one hand, even though you, sit, you put it down and you want it to be there to be a, a nice object uh, to fancy and beautify your house. But if it's light enough that it can be held with one hand, mutra It never is considered like a rock that's placed there that's not meant to be moved. Bishte but if you need two hands, it's a big heavy thing. It can be moved, but it takes two hands to move. Then we say that when you placed it, you turned it into something muksa.
1: When you placed it, aser v'ataultuva. The <inaudible> Rab Yochanan Amar Anu ein lanu ella b'neir Kirab Shema. Yochanan says.
0: Ner, we hold a nair, after it burns out, even though it was disgusting, and even though there's not much you could do with it, you could still put other oil and other stuff in it, or tiddlywinks, what I said, and other stuff like that. We also shimon. Once it burns out, you can move the nair. A menorah is different. A menorah, if it's, if it's a, big, a big one or even a small one, that you're able to move with one hand, you're not allowed to move. Metaim oh, Why not? It sounds like even going to Shimon, you can't move it if, in Rabbi Yochanan's case. And where it says, Rabbi of Rabbi Mokom." what I just said, because a menorah is a fancy item. And therefore, even though it's light, well, it's light enough for you to pick up with one hand, it's meant to stay there for good. So that is why Rav Yosef says the story about the menorah falling on Ravasi doesn't prove anything because that could have been like Rav Shimon. It's only from the two stories, the two reports about that we now heard that I can now prove that Yochanan holds like Rav Yehuda. I'll just finish off here. He says, Is that true? I know you and and my uncle. Rabbi said that the reason behind why Yochanan might have said that it's usr is because it's considered like a a, a mantelpiece that doesn't get moved. What about kilas chasanim? What about a bed that this is the bed for uh, the the, the couple? It's a nice, comfy, uh, romantic little tent that you make. And we know the Adam koveel o This is where it is for the whole brachas When it comes to kilas chasanim, what are you allowed to do? You're allowed to set it up on Shabbos. It's not considered an ohel because there's not a tefachum space. It's like a camp bed. It's like a, look what you see, it's like a, it's like a, a, you have the two sides, like a triangle. And a pole down the middle, and then the couple sleeps nice and romantically here in the middle. So mutar you're allowed to set it up. Um mutar lefar you can you can undo it on Shabbos, which means you can undo it and move it. Even though when you place it there, it's 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 meant to stay there. Why is that different than a menorah? El Abayah said, I think, even though you and my uncle said the reason why Yochanan felt it was Usr is because it's, it's, a, it's a piece that's meant to stay there, I think the reason why they said a menorah is oser is Bishop Julios. because the menorah is made of different pieces, and it's not like it's stuff that's going to fall, it's very delicate, it's a bunch of little things inserted one into the other. And we're afraid if you have your hand on it, it's going to, a piece is going to fall out of it. And without thinking, because that's, the, that's like the reflex thing to do, you're going to connect the pieces together. And that's a m'loch of maka That's Michel julios, And that's why we don't want you even touching the darn thing. We don't want you moving it, because it's going to fall apart. And without thinking, you're going to connect it. I says, that's true. My time of the Shemim and Tashari. Why is the and Lokesh allow it then? If it's the way uh, Abay, uh, Rabbi Rabbi Yosef said, you can understand, because it was light. It was, it was light, and therefore, you don't really mean to set it there with a But if But behold, the reason is because you're, it's going to come apart. Well, even a, a small menorah could come apart, and, and you'd be fixing it by sticking the branch back in, says, Abayi is going to say it didn't, I don't mean that it really had little pieces. What it was was In other words, it has scratches in it that look similar to the fancy ones that have actual pieces that you have to insert. But people confuse the two. Hilkach, when it comes to Julio's one that actually has the branches that you actually connect and you interconnect them, which is a, 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 a malach of binyan. If you reconnect it on Shabbos, bein gadol bein Chazal don't want you touching either of them. They created a muksa for you because they're afraid that it's going to fall apart and you're going to do a malacha without thinking. That's like a muksa machmas iser. Gadol nami if it's a big one the ispe chidke, that it has these grooves in it. So it sort of looks like that. So there, once we made the gzera on the big menorah, Rabbi says, gzera atu gedola Julios. So it's only when it's a big one, we say, oh, that looks like the big one. Whereas the small one, it generally doesn't have khitke in it anyway. The small ones usually don't have any grooves in it. So usually there's no reason to make a or to another one. Yochanan felt that even so, this one had grooves, and therefore you should not move that. Whereas Rosh Lokesh says, the gzera did not include it. Let's see the words inside. biktana de ispe This was a small menorah, Rabbi said. That you could lift with one hand, but it had grooves in it. Right? Russia says, Chidke, just to show you, Chituchin It looks like one that has real branches that actually interconnect and can be taken out and put back in. Mandachazi, if someone sees you, he thinks it's actually like the, the, the ones that are made of prakim. They're made of various pieces that are put together. But that's the question. gazrinon,